0: Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us for tonight's broadcast. Pastor Dudley is the senior pastor of Shepherd Church, which is one church on three different campuses in the greater Los Angeles area at Porter Ranch, Woodland Hills, and Agua Dulce. We'll be joining Pastor Dudley in just a moment, but first, we want you to know this program is called Lift Up Jesus because we exist to lift up Jesus and the life-changing truth of the gospel. And we do this every night, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. here on KKLA. No matter where you're listening from right now, in your car or your home or at work, you're about to hear bold, uncompromising teaching about faith, family, and daily life. We believe there is nothing like immersing yourself in the Bible each and every day to completely transform your life. We also want to encourage you to join us at Shepherd Church this weekend. Shepherd is only a short drive from anywhere in the city. We are a multiracial, multigenerational church that is built on biblical preaching and dynamic worship. You can visit our website at liftupjesus.com to get more information about Shepherd Church, our locations, and service times. We thank you again for joining us tonight. We know you're going to be enriched and encouraged by tonight's program. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message from God's Word.
1: I want to talk to you on this subject, that Jesus was an unbiased judge. He was an unbiased judge. I want you to write this down, that one day God is going to judge this old world. Now, I don't want you sitting out here right now thinking about the virus. People are trying to figure out, is this a part of the judgment of God? Is this this not the judgment of God? I don't want you thinking anything about the virus. I want you to realize that this series, seeing Jesus clearly, that he's unorthodox, he loves us unconditionally, today that he's the unbiased judge, that all of this was planned like over a year ago. And the message for us today, regardless of what's going on in the world, is that there is coming a day where this unorthodox unconditionally loving Jesus will one day be the judge of this world. Now, the first glimpse, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at the beginning of the Bible, we're going to look at the end of the Bible, we're going to look in the middle. But I want to start off at the very, very beginning in the book of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 3. And this is really uh, John the Baptist, who is the forerunner to Jesus, John the Baptist is the one that introduces Jesus to us. And uh, this verse, many of us have just kind of read right over it, or we're not even aware of it, but I want you to notice how John the Baptist, as he introduces Jesus at the very beginning of the New Testament, at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry, here's how he describes Jesus. He said these words in Matthew 3, verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I and whose sandals I am not fit to even carry. He will baptize you, he's speaking of Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with, F-I-R-E. F-I-R-E. He's going to baptize you with fire. And then he said this in verse 12. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn, and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now... It's obvious that most of us view Jesus as this really gentle, kind, loving, caring, forgiving, compassionate man who blessed little children, who cared for the sick, who blessed the elderly, and he is all of that. But the first time he's introduced to us, John the Baptist says he's coming with his winnowing fork in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn, and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Uh, He's explaining that Jesus eventually will come to judge. That's at the beginning of the New Testament. Now I want you to go to the very end of the New Testament. Go all the way to the book of Revelation, if you will. Revelation, Chapter 14, Revelation, Chapter 14. So we see what happens at the beginning as he's introduced that one day he will judge this world. But I want you to go to the book of Revelation where it explains the end times. We're going to read that in just a few moments. Back when I was in high school, which is a long time ago, we had some uh, some of the English classes that I took. We had books that were required to read. And one of those required uh, reading assignments was a book called, I have a picture of the cover of it, called The Grapes of Wrath. This was a novel that was published in the year 1939 by an author by the name of John Steinbeck. And this book is considered to be still today in the top 100 novels of all time. Last time I checked, I checked this week, actually, it is number 10 on the all-time novel list. Now, this story, The Grapes of Wrath, took place uh, during the days of the Great Depression. Families were, a family had left Oklahoma because of the Depression, and they were on a journey headed to the great state of California. It's a story of heartache. It's a story of drought. It's a story of economic hardship. It's a controversial book in some ways, but John Steinbeck had a a difficulty when he wrote the novel. He didn't know what to name the book. His wife, Carol, suggested the name, why don't you call it The Grapes of Wrath? That title, Grapes of Wrath, was a reference, came from uh, some lyrics from a song that you should be familiar with, the battle hymn of the Republic that was written in the year 1861. The song, battle hymn of the Republic, mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed his fateful lighting of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. John and Carol Steinbeck took the words of the battle hymn of the Republic, the phrase Grapes of Wrath, and they named that book, The Grapes of Wrath. Now, they may not have known this, but the battle hymn of the Republic, those words originally were found in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 14, verse 19, I want to read this to you. The angel swung his sickle of the earth, gathered its grapes, and threw them into the great wine press of God's, what? God's wrath. Again, one day God is going to come and judge this old world. Now I want you to know something. I am your best friend. Turn to whoever's in the room. So you know that pastor, he's our best friend. Just go ahead and say, it. he is our best friend. And the reason why I am your best friend is because many people want to act like an ostrich and put their head down in the sand. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to think about it. They don't want to give a thought to the truth that one day God is going to judge this entire world. And I am your friend for giving you the heads up. Amen. Dr. Warren Worsby said these words. This is an important quote. He said, today, God is speaking to our world in grace, and he is. But he said, even though today God is speaking to our world in grace, he said, there are many people who are not listening to God speak to us in grace. But then he said, one day, God will and God must speak to us in wrath. I want to look at this text in Revelation chapter 14. We're going to read through this passage, I have four points. I hope you write them down. Here's point number one. The first point is the wise ruler. Who is is the Lord of the harvest? Who is this wise ruler? Well, he's none other than Jesus Christ himself. If you look at verse 14, this is Revelation chapter 14, verse 14, it says, I looked and there before me, was a white cloud, and seated on that cloud was one like the Son of Man. He wore a crown of gold on his head, and he had a sharp sickle in his hand. Now, throughout the Bible, a white cloud was a symbol of deity. The clouds were important in the Bible. The Israelites followed a cloud by day, A pillar of fire by night, Moses received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai in a cloud. The Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17 took place on a bright cloud. The Ascension took place on a cloud. The Bible tells us in Acts 1 verse 9, it tells us that Jesus left on a cloud and that one day he will return from those clouds. The phrase, son of man, in Revelation 14, 14, we know is Jesus. If you read, I won't do it now, but it's in your notes, Revelation chapter one, verse 13, and other passages in the New Testament, we know that Jesus is called the son of man. And if you look again at verse 14, let me read a few verses. Revelation 14, verse 14, I looked, and there before me, was a white cloud and seated on that cloud was one like the son of man. We know that's Jesus with a crown of gold. We know that he's the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. He had a crown of gold on his head. He had a sharp sickle in his hand. Verse 15. Then another angel. This is very interesting. Then another angel came out of the temple and called out in a loud voice, to him who was sitting on the cloud. So an angel appears and starts talking to Jesus. And he said to Jesus, take your sickle and reap because the time to reap has come for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Verse 16, so he who was seated on that cloud, we know that's Jesus, swung his sickle over the earth And the earth was what? Harvested. Now, all of that is a symbolic or an analogy of this truth that one day, one day, the Lord Jesus is going to return and he's going to judge this whole earth. And the bottom line is that one day you are going to be standing in front of this wise ruler. I don't know if we'll be standing, we'll probably all be kneeling because the Bible says when he comes the, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, but there's going to come a day where every one of us is going to stand before an almighty God. And at that point, I want you to write this down. The only thing that will matter at that moment is not what will you do with Jesus The only thing that will matter is, what is Jesus going to do with you? What is Jesus going to do with you? That's the question. In the Bible, there are four great tragedies. I I want you to get this line of thinking, this line of reasoning. First of all was the tragedy of the great flood. That took place in Genesis chapter 7, where God destroyed the entire earth except those that were inside the ark with Noah. It's a great, great tragedy. The whole earth was destroyed. The second great tragedy in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 19, where the Bible uh, tells us how God destroyed two cities, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He just wiped two cities off the face of this earth. A, A great tragedy. The third tragedy might be the greatest tragedy is where God gave up his one and only son, Jesus, where Jesus died upon a cross. It was a brutal, uh, horrifying death where God sent Jesus to die upon that Roman cross. Oh, that was a great tragedy, a tragedy of, of all tragedies. The fourth tragedy that's actually listed for us in the Bible, and I've got, I've, you've got all the Bible references, so you can read those. This week, what else have you got to do? You can study all this. Is in Luke chapter 19, verse 44, where God destroyed the city of Jerusalem. This was 2,000 years ago. Now, my question is why? Everybody say, why? Why? Why would God destroy the world by a flood? Why would God destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah? Why would he allow Jesus to die upon the cross? Why would he allow Jerusalem to be destroyed? Write this down. Write this down. The answer why this all happened is because of sin and disobedience. Why would God destroy the world in the days of Noah? Answer, because of sin and disobedience. Why would God obliterate the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah? Because of sin and disobedience. Why would God allow the death of his one and only son upon a cross? Because of sin and disobedience. Why would God destroy his own city? The city of Zion, the city of David, the city of the prophets, the city of Jerusalem. Answer, because of sin and disobedience. Now here's the point, and I hope hope that you're listening. If God spared not the world in the days of Noah... Because of sin and disobedience. And if God spared not the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah because of sin and disobedience. And if God spared not his one and only son because of sin and disobedience. And if God spared not the city of Jerusalem because of sin and disobedience, then he'll not spare us either. When you look at all the sin that's in our world today, all of the evil, The stealing, the cursing, the lying, the adultery, all the abortions that occur, all of the the murders that occur, the violence that exists, the disobedience, the pornography, the the greed, the immorality. Someone said if if God doesn't judge the United States, he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. And he he would owe them an apology. All I want you to hear me is this. There is coming a day, there is coming a day where God is going to say, it's time. And when he says it's time, then the Lord Jesus, the wise ruler, is going to come and judge this entire world. That's point one. Now here's point two. Write this down. This is called the written record. The written record. We again know at the beginning of the New Testament, we know that John the Baptist tells us that one day or soon that he introducing jesus as the one who has a winnowing fork that will one day uh, judge this world we know in the back in the book of revelation we know that what we just read in revelation chapter 14 that that day will one day be here but here's my question what did jesus say what is, what is the written account, the very words that Jesus himself spoke? I know what John the Baptist said. I know what John the Beloved writes in the book of Revelation. But what did Jesus say about this subject? I'm glad you asked that. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And I want to read to you the very words of Jesus, all right? Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you having a good time? Oh, listen, this, I know for some of you this is difficult to listen to, but it is so important. And again, I'm your best friend for telling you these things. Let's look at Matthew chapter 13, and I'm just going to read through this, starting with verse 24, Jesus told them, the disciples, another parable, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat, and he went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did these weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. And the servants asked, do you want us to go and pull up those weeds? He said, no, he answered, because while you're pulling up those weeds, you may also root up the wheat with them. And then Jesus said these words at the end of this parable. He said, just let them all grow together. Just let them grow until the harvest. And at that time, at the time of the harvest, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned, and then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Now you read that parable. I read that parable and we think to ourselves, what's he talking about? What, what is he talking about? Oh, I'm glad you asked that question. Did, did, anyone, did anyone ever tell you that you asked good questions? You, did, did you know that you asked really good questions? Did you know that the disciples also asked that exact same question after Jesus told that story? The disciples said, Lord, you've you, you got to tell us, what are you talking about? And here's what Jesus responded. I want you to skip six verses. Go down to Matthew chapter 13. And look at verse 36, and Jesus himself explains what this parable means. The Bible says he left the crowd, he went into the house, his disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field that you told. Well, that story that you told, Jesus, can you explain that to us? And he answered in verse 37, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. We know who that is. Verse 38 The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. Those are the people that are saved. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. Verse 39 And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest, the harvest is the end of this age. And the harvesters are the what? Are the angels. Stay with me. Verse 40. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels. They will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. Verse 42, they will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And verse 43, then the righteous, those that are saved will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. And then Jesus said these words, he who has ears, let him hear. In other words, you better pay attention to what I just said to you. Listen, we ask these questions. We always want to know who's saved is, is Kanye wet? Is he really a Christian? Is Donald Trump a Christian? Is Obama a Christian? You might want to ask that about the people in your living room right now. Look at the people in your room right there. Who saved? And the question is, are you saved? That's That's the main question you should be asking is, are you saved?
0: We hope you enjoyed this edition of Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. As you can tell from his message tonight, Pastor Dudley has a driving passion to talk about Jesus everywhere he goes and with everyone he meets. So often, a person has never heard the life-changing message of the gospel, or perhaps they, at one time, experienced the transformation that is only possible through Jesus Christ— but now they're discouraged or in need of hope. If that is you, we invite you to reach out to us right now and let us pray with you. Our toll-free number is easy to remember. It's 888-818-4777. Again, that number is 888-818-4777. We have prayer counselors standing by and ready to take your call. We also want to encourage you to come and visit us at Shepherd Church. We have three campuses in the greater Los Angeles area, with multiple services both on Saturday night and Sunday morning. You will be so blessed by getting plugged into a biblically-based, Christ-centered church that strives to love God and love people. We believe that getting connected in fellowship with other Christians is essential to grow in your faith. So if you are looking for a new church home, we invite you to come and join us this weekend. All information on service times and locations for Shepherd Church can be found on our website, liftupjesus.com. There is also a ton of resources available there to help you in your daily walk with the Lord. That website again is liftupjesus.com. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at the same time here on KKLA as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.